Last Sunday, we started a series on the hallmarks of the Reformation, sometimes called the Five Solas. And last Sunday was Scripture alone or the Word of God alone, and we said that that is the formal principle of the Reformation. Everything we believe is based upon the truth of God's Word. And today, then, we look at a second of those hallmarks, Christ alone. And we turn to John chapter 3, very familiar passage of Scripture. I'm going to begin reading at verse 14 and read through verse 18 of this tremendous encounter, encounter that Jesus had with Nicodemus. Beginning at verse 14. As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up that whoever believes will in him have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send the Son into the world to judge the world, but that the world might be saved through him. He who believes in him is not judged, He who does not believe has been judged already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Let's pray. Father in heaven, these are words that you have given by the inspiration of your Spirit. And we pray, Lord, that you would teach us what you would have us to learn today about Jesus Christ Salvation found in Him and in Him alone. For we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. There was a man who was traveling to a different community, and when he got there, he was looking for an address he couldn't find. And so he met a younger gal there, and he said, Could you help me get to such and such a place? And she said, yeah, I I, I think I could do that. She said, I think if you just go down this road, this way, and then if you turn to the right. No, wait a minute. She said, maybe you better go this way. And you travel a few blocks, and then at the blue house, you turn to the left. And she said, you know, I don't know if you can get there from here. (laughs) The moral of the story is not that you don't ask a woman, but there's a better lesson than that. When it comes to heaven, I can assure you that you can get there from here. You can get to glory from Maple Grove. You can get to glory from Arizona, California, Washington. As long as you come the one way by which you must come. And that way is Jesus. And Jesus made it very clear that He is the way. John 14, 6. I know you're familiar with the word. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by Me. The Apostle Peter said, There is salvation in no other, for there is no other name given among men whereby we must be saved. We are saved through Jesus Christ and Him alone. Now, you know as well as I do that that's not a popular message in our culture today. Ever seen those bumper stickers that say coexist on them? 
they got all the different religions of the world, and we're supposed to be just one happy family. You know, you go your way, I'll go my way. Eventually, we'll all end up at the same place because God loves everyone. Universalism. The Bible does not teach universalism. The Bible teaches that there is only one way, and Jesus Christ is that way. Now, there are many, many places in Scripture that we could look at this morning, but one of the clearest is found here in John chapter 3. And in this chapter, we find three musts. We find the word must or must three times. We find it first in verse 7, where Jesus says to Nicodemus, Do not be amazed that I said to you, you must be born again. So first of all, we see the sinner must be born again. Now this conversation that Jesus had with Nicodemus reminds me of a conversation that we had as a family probably about 20 years ago. My mother was in Alzheimer's, a little bit later stage, and so she didn't always recognize us. And so my brother pointed his finger at me and asked my mother, do you know who that is? And I'm her favorite son, so, you know, I mean, she should have known that. And she looked at me and said, he looks familiar. And my brother said, yep, he should. He's related to you. Oh, isn't that nice, she said. I said, yeah, that is nice. And then he said to her, he used to be in your tummy. And my mother looked at her tummy, and she looked at me, and she said, how in the world did that happen? (laughs) When Jesus told Nicodemus that he must be born again, he had kind of um, a similar Response to that. Verse 4, Nicodemus said, How can a man be born when he's old? He said, He cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born, can he? And Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not be amazed at this. You must be born again. And Jesus obviously knew that Nicodemus was not really grasping this. He was amazed at what Jesus said, so he tries to give him an illustration. Verse 8, the wind blows where it wishes. And you hear the sound of it, but do not know where it comes from and where it's going. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. But Nicodemus still doesn't understand. In verse 9, he said to him, How can these things be? What is this all about? What do you mean by being born of the Spirit? How can this be? What was his struggle here? Why, why, did, why was he amazed at what Jesus said about being born again? Well, if you consider what Nicodemus had been taught, 
about spiritual things, you can see why he was amazed at what Jesus said. Because as a Jew, he thought that his birth gave him special favor with God. Simply the fact that he could trace his lineage back to Abraham. I'm a child of Abraham. I've been born into this. Abraham's my father, therefore I'm fine in my relationship with God. If you jump ahead to John chapter 8, you see that that was the thinking of the Jews because Jesus, when he said to them in verse 31 and 32, if you continue in the truth, the truth will set you free. And they answered him in verse 32, says, we are Abraham's descendants. We've never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you will become free? John the Baptist, when he began preaching in Matthew chapter 3, he was preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And he says, don't think because you are sons of Abraham that you're fine. God can raise up these stones as sons of Abraham. Again, this whole idea that because they were born as Jews, it was fine. What did Jesus say about that? In verse 6, he says, that which is born of the flesh is flesh. And that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. And you need to be born of the Spirit. doesn't matter if you are a Jew. But that's what Nicodemus thought. And then as a Pharisee, he thought his religion gave him favor with God. But his religion had done nothing to save him. In fact, Nicodemus didn't grasp the most elementary truths of salvation. Look at verse 9. Nicodemus said to him, How can these things be? And Jesus answered and said to him, Are you the teacher of Israel and you don't understand these things? You're a teacher and you don't get it? You don't understand these things? Then in verse 11 he says, Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know and testify to what we have seen, and you do not accept our testimony. If I told you earthly things and you do not believe, how will you believe if I tell you heavenly things? So here was a teacher of the Jews and he didn't understand the basic elementary truths of salvation. But you know what? Nicodemus is like many religious people today. Religious people who have no clue what it really means to be saved. What it really means to be born again. What it really means to have a living relationship with Jesus. They would call themselves Christian because their parents are Christians. After all, we're not Jews or Muslims, we're Christians. Or they would call themselves Christians because they go to church every Sunday. I heard one man say, I'm a Christian, but I don't believe in this born-again stuff. It's like, what other kind of Christian is there than one who is born of the Spirit? (laughs) We are all sinners. And Jesus says we must be born again. There's no other way. You must be born again. The second must we find is in verse 14. 
As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. So here we see the Savior must be lifted up. First of all, the sinner must be born again. The Savior must be lifted up. So he's telling Nicodemus that it does not depend upon what Nicodemus had done. It depends upon what Jesus has done. Verse 13, no one has ascended into heaven, but he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And as Moses was lifted up in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him will have eternal life. Now, Jesus wanted to make it very clear to Nicodemus exactly who he is. Nicodemus called him in verse 2 a teacher who has come from God. Not an untrue statement, but much more than just a teacher. As God in human flesh, Jesus is the one who descended from heaven that he might be lifted up on a cross. And to help Nicodemus understand this, he brings up to Nicodemus a story that he would have known from the Old Testament in the lives of the people of Israel. And that was read from Numbers chapter 21 this morning by Roy. And we see there how the people, as they were traveling, they began to grumble and complain. And God sent these serpents among the people and bit them and they were dying. And so there was obviously a need here, a great need for some way that they could be spared from this judgment that God brought upon them. And so God told Moses to put this serpent on a pole. And then when someone was bitten, they would look at that pole and they would be healed. Now, I wonder what it was like when these people were bitten you think there's some that are saying, what in the world is it going to do to look at a serpent on a pole? You've got to be kidding me. You mean that's going to heal me? That's going to, to save me from death? But God made it clear that the one who, when bitten and looked at that pole by faith, that they'd be healed, that they would live. So what was Jesus trying to teach Nicodemus with this? For one thing, we need a Savior because sin brings judgment. The Bible is very clear at that. The wages of sin is death. We need a Savior because our sin brings the judgment of God upon us. And then secondly, there is only one way to be saved. And that's exactly how Jesus applied it then. He talks about himself being lifted up on a cross. And only those who believe in him, in Jesus Christ, will be saved. Salvation is by faith alone in Jesus Christ alone. There is no other way. This was the teaching of the Reformation. And this needs to be what we stand upon today as well, that salvation is found in Christ alone. 
James Montgomery Boyce has written a book, Whatever Happened to the Gospel of Grace. He says, Justification because of Christ alone means that Jesus has done the necessary work of salvation utterly and completely, so that no merit on the part of man, no merit of the saints, no works of ours performed either here or later in purgatory can add to his completed work. In fact, any attempt to add to Christ's work is a perversion of the gospel, and indeed is no gospel at all. To proclaim Christ alone is to proclaim Him as the Christian's one and only sufficient prophet, priest, and king. We need no other prophets to reveal God's word or will. We need no other priest to mediate God's salvation and blessing. We need no other kings to control the thinking and lives of believers. Jesus is everything to us and for us in the gospel. It's all about him. It's all about Jesus. And when he died on the cross and he said, it is finished, he meant that. Nothing more that you or I could add to that. It is His finished work on the cross on behalf of sinners like you and me. And we must stand upon that truth regardless of what the culture would tell us today. We are saved by Jesus Christ alone. So anyone who says that when Jesus died on the cross, it wasn't enough for our salvation, that is a perversion of the gospel. Now, with such wonderful news as this, that we are saved by what Jesus Christ has done for us, you would think that everybody would want to be saved, wouldn't you? I mean, he offers the free gift of eternal life. Nothing in my hands I bring, simply to the cross I cling. That's the gospel. And yet, what do we find that Jesus says in verse 19 and 20? He says, this is the judgment that light has come into the world, and Jesus is the light of the world. But he says that men loved the darkness rather than the light. Why? For their deeds were evil. For everyone who does evil hates the light and does not come to the light for fear that his deeds will be exposed. People hate the light. Because light has a way of exposing, doesn't it? It has a way of revealing. And people don't want to be shown their sin. They don't want that to be revealed to them. And so they... They hide from the light. They run from the light. Get as far as away as they can from the light. But the only way that we will be saved is if we come to the light. The light exposes our need and then reveals our Savior. And we come in repentance and faith and putting our trust in what Christ has done for us. And I trust that you have come to that place in your life where you realize you're a sinner. You need a Savior. And that Jesus Christ is the one who died for you. The sinner must be born again. The Savior must be lifted up.
And because he's been lifted up on that cross, whoever believes in him will not perish. But then there's a third must we find in verse 30, where John the Baptist says, He must increase, but I must decrease. And here we see then thirdly that the servant must be lowered down. The Savior must be lifted up, but the servant must be lowered down. So when you come to faith in Jesus, you become His servant. You give your life in service to Him. And John the Baptist illustrates that principle so clearly. He understood his ministry. He knew why God had called him. He was to be the one that was preparing the way for the coming of Jesus. And it's quite interesting if you look at verses 22 to 26. When Jesus came on the scene, some of John's disciples got a little bit concerned about that. Verse 22, After these things, Jesus and His disciples came into the land of Judea, and there He was spending time with them and baptizing. John also was baptizing in Anon near Salim, because there was much water there, and people were coming and were being baptized, for John had not yet been thrown into prison. Therefore, there arose a discussion on the part of John's disciples with a Jew about purification. And they came to John and said to him, Rabbi, he who was with you beyond the Jordan, to whom you have testified, behold, he is baptizing, and all are coming to him. And I would suggest that that last phrase that they said to to John, that all are coming to him, is kind of a, a phrase of exasperation. John, do you realize what is happening? All these people that were following you, all these people that were listening to you, now they're going over to Jesus. Do you realize what's going to happen if you don't stop this? (laughs) Do you think John was bothered by that? (laughs) Hardly. In verse 27, John answered and said, A man can receive nothing unless it has been given him from heaven. You yourselves are my witnesses that I said, I am not the Christ, but I have been sent ahead of him. He who has the bride is the bridegroom. But the friend of the bridegroom who stands and hears him rejoices greatly because of the bridegroom's voice. So this joy of mine has been made full. He must increase, but I must decrease. He who comes from above is above all. He who is of the earth is from the earth and speaks of the earth. He who comes from heaven is above all. So what is John saying? He's saying, don't be concerned about me. This is my mission. This is what I've been saying all along. There's one who's coming after me that is much greater than I. He's the bridegroom. I'm just a friend of the bridegroom. 
So picture that. You come to a wedding. And you got the, the bridegroom and the bride. And during the ceremony, a friend of the, let's say the best man, he, he pulls the bridegroom out of the way and stands in the place of the bride and grabs the bride's arm. And you'd be saying, what on earth is happening now? I've never seen that happen, and I hope I never do. What do you do then, huh? But what is John saying then? He's saying, I'm, I'm not the bridegroom. I'm just preparing the way. I'm just a friend of the bridegroom. And now that he has come, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Is that what John said in chapter 1? When Jesus came walking along there, John says, look to him. There's the Lamb. There's the one you worship. There's the one you serve. And that's the picture that I have of John's ministry. He was constantly pointing to someone else, and that was Jesus. And that's our ministry. We dare not point people to ourselves and say, look at me, how wonderful I am. We point people to Jesus. And John says, that gives me great joy. I hear the voice of the bridegroom. And that gives me great joy because he must be lifted up. He must increase and I must decrease. Behold the Lamb who takes away the sin of the world. On January 6th of 1850, there was a snowstorm in the city of Colchester, England. And a teenage boy was unable to get to church that he usually attended, so he made his way to a little primitive Methodist chapel. The pastor was gone that day, and there was a layman who was substituting, and it seemed like he didn't really do a lot of preparation for that sermon. His text was Isaiah 45, verse 22, which says, Look unto me and be saved. All the ends of the earth. Well, this teenage boy for many months had been under deep, deep conviction of sin. And even though he had been reared in the church, his father and grandfather were both preachers. He didn't have assurance of salvation. He didn't know where he would spend eternity. So he came to that little church. And this layman was preaching and, and he kept saying... A man need not go to college to learn to look. Anyone can look. A child can look to Jesus and be saved. And then he saw this young man sitting in the congregation. <laughs> and he pointed to him and he said, Young man, you look very miserable. Young man, you need to look to Jesus. And that day, that young man looked to Jesus. And that is how Charles Haddon Spurgeon came to faith in Christ. Young man, look to Jesus. Old man, look to Jesus. Young lady, look to Jesus. Old lady, look to Jesus. Huh? No matter who we are, it's Christ. In Christ alone. He's provided it for us. 
That work of salvation was completed over 2,000 years ago. And he offers freely as a gift. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God, the gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. Have you received that gift? Can you say today that you know Jesus? That you know where you will spend eternity? That you have a living relationship with Him? The sinner must be born again. And because the Son of Man was lifted up, we can have that living relationship with Jesus today. No other way but Christ alone. Let's pray. We praise you, dear Jesus, that you have done all that is necessary for us to be saved. You took our sin to the cross. You paid the price for us. As the hymn writer said, Jesus paid it all. All to him we owe. Sin had left a crimson stain, but he washed it white as snow. Thank you, Lord, that we can experience that cleansing blood today, that forgiveness of sins that living relationship with the Holy God because of the sacrifice of the one Mediator, the one Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, if there's someone here this morning that does not know You as Savior, maybe someone who has grown up in this church, someone who has grown up in a Christian home, someone who knows Bible verses but does not have the assurance of salvation, Lord, may they come to You trusting in the promise of your word, receiving the gift of everlasting life that you so freely offer to us today. Lord, thank you for all that you've done for us. Most of all, for salvation in Christ, in Christ alone. We pray in his name. Amen.